Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Inclusive Voice. This is your host, Pam McElvain. I know we're still in fall, but in my mind, winter is officially here. So I hope you all are enjoying the Saturday, 30 degrees and the sunset. Um, but in the meantime, you know, go grab your coffee, as I say, and sit back and enjoy um, this good Saturday with me. I am so excited. You know, as we move into the holidays, um, a time of, you know, actually we're moving into uh, Thanksgiving has just passed and where we've been able to, you know, those that the higher powers that we look to thank for the blessings that we've had for the year uh, with, with good health. Um shelter, right? Friends and family. So today I thought it was, you know, me and my team, we thought it was appropriate to really talk to um, an executive chef that has, you know, a renowned career, but not only that, but someone that studies food in all aspects, not in just preparation, but have worked and helped the healing of both heart, soul, and mind, and stomach, of course, <laughs> uh, no pun intended, with, with food. And, and one of the things, reasons I thought it was um, important, if you will, to have this, this show focused on um, not just this executive chef, but, but on the work that he does, and, and the whole concept of eating, is being able to really think about, you know, what cooking does for us. You know, sometimes, you know, for me, I'll tell you personally, cooking is healing for me. Cooking really helps me not just explore senses and taste, but it and of smell and taste, but it helps with, you know, relaxing, if you will. And and I get joy out of it because I get to feed my family and friends. And so when you have an opportunity to think about, you know, what does cooking do for you? How does how does that help you feel, you know, better? And how does that help enrich your life and what you have? So we went out and we asked um, certified executive chef Buns, uh, Ken Buns, who's had a career more than three decades um, in an impressive resume with, with corporations, uh, government entities, nonprofit organizations, uh, have traveled the globe, have lived in various parts of uh, this country, has worked in many disciplines to support us in a conversation of wellness as well as, you know, also the aspects of career. For those of you that are thinking about a career in um, culinary, what, what does that mean? Um, and, and is that something that's still viable today? So um, we're going to be able to uh, hear more from Executive Chef, who's currently, he's currently with Culinary Designs, but he'll be able to talk to you more about, you know, what he's doing and um, the opportunities in this space. So with that, I'm going to take a, we're going to take a few moments for, you know, a commercial break. And then we're going to come back with our special guest and um, have this great conversation of learning um, and healing. We'll be right back. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. 
with benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website. CEO Pam Micklevane leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum, with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com Welcome back. I hope those of you are still with us. Um, I'm Pam McElvain, your host for the Inclusive Voice. Hey, good morning and welcome, Chef Ken Buns. Morning. Um, so how are you doing? How, how, how are you doing these days? I'm doing great. Uh, the sun is out. The weather is beautiful out here in California. And I wish you were here to see it. <laughs> wow, you're calling from calling in from California. What part of California are you calling in from, Chef? Sacramento, which is the capital of California. It's uh, okay. a very beautiful city in terms of uh, we call it the city of trees. We have, we have so many trees here that uh, we pride ourselves in uh, really bragging about the beauty of Sacramento. And I'm just uh, blessed to be part of the city. Thank you for sharing. You know, one of the things, um, and thank you for taking the time this morning to, to be with us. So one of the things I ask my guests is, you know, what do you do for self-care and, um, you know, for mental and, and physical health these days? Well, you know, that's a great question. And I had a, a journey uh, getting to where I'm at today because I suffered with diabetes and heart disease and a few other things, but one day I woke up and said, I had to stop. I need to change who I am, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And whether it was behavior, or was just out of habit, you know, in terms of how I was eating and uh, providing and taking care of myself. You know, my discovery is that a lot of us don't realize that it's important to have a, a self-discovery in terms of how to take care of oneself, take time, self-care, I should say, uh, oneself, because it's very important mentally, uh, physically, as well as spiritually. So what I do now, I just basically, uh, I uh, eat products, fresh foods. I go organic as much as I can. I, uh, more vegetables, more vegetables I have in my system, more energy provides for me to do out the, throughout the day. So I'm excited about my journey currently. You know, thanks, you know, Chef Ken Buns. Actually, is it okay if I call you Chef Ken? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people do that, especially kids. Okay, excellent. So thank you for being transparent and sharing, you know, your own health journey with us. But since I've got you, I really would love a simple explanation of the difference between, you know, when, what grocers call fresh vegetables and organic vegetables. Can you can you give us a, you know, a, a, the the real the real deal on that, the difference between them? And does it really matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. The difference between organic and um, farm fresh vegetables are the, the same thing, but other differences are treatments 
how to handle the product. One is uh, fed with nitrates and uh, you have some uh, pesticides and things of that nature. Whereas organics are really uh, user-friendly, don't use nitrates. Any types of pesticides, they're controlled uh, in a way that it's in more, more in an inclined or induced area where they control the, the uh, I would say, atmospherics of the, of the, of the uh, vegetable growth through a process. So that's why it costs a little bit more money because the handling of it in the process is greater than it is just by doing uh, farming, regular farming. Wow, thank you, thank you for that because um, I do spend a little bit more money, but but now I think you just bought it home for us. So thank you for that. So you know, can you? Sh- mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. One of the things I want to add to that, though, is that you know, as we get older, we have cleaner foods. We have cleaner foods in our system because our body is constantly going through an evolution where. It's uh, not producing as much as it did when younger in terms of kidneys, function, liver, things of that nature. You know, natural uh, arbitration just happens. So when I start eating more vegetables and organic-based with the help of a dietitian, a wonderful young lady that I've been working with the last few years named Melinda Penny, um, she's been really instrumental in helping me understand uh, the intake levels and the process of the food. And I, as a chef, I prepare the product, but a lot of times chefs don't have a lot of information regarding what's really in the product. Uh, we go by, a lot of times chefs go by taste and look and smell. And understanding the nutrition piece is very important as much as taste, smell, and look. So our appearance. So I just want to add that to that. Oh wow! You know that that's kind of a very interesting take on that. That's an interesting twist on that because I bet everybody thinks chefs know absolutely everything about food, and I haven't even thought about really, you know, because I figure you study nutrition, but clearly not at the same level as a nutritionist, and that makes so much well, sense. So thank you for that clarity. Ha- Go ahead. Yeah, but, but what happens is that a lot of chefs do know about food, but the nutrition piece. Uh, not the nutritionists or dietitians understand the dynamics, how it runs, and how it affects your systems. Now, chefs are up to speed on that, but at the level I'm speaking of, particularly if you're dealing with holistics or you're dealing with uh, uh, some disease in your body that you need to, you need to uh, have attention given to, the nutritionists find ways to help you uh, guide yourself in a way that you enjoy the meals you're preparing, but yet, refrain from all the other items you need to put in that's in it. Salt, sodium, you know, fats, and uh, sugars. So um, chefs today are up to speed on a lot of things, but not to the depth I'm speaking of. Yeah, no, and I know I appreciate that distinction. It is a fine distinction, right? In other words, it's very fine. But when you think about, you know, I appreciate you also talking about as people get older, you know, just pay attention to eating, you know, cleaner foods and and plant-based foods. I mean, I'm learning more about food every day um, from just because all the information out there. But I guess, you know, we have to take our own common sense and make the right choices, you know, for what we can, you know, what's going to affect our bodies. And I love also the idea 
of you said having you know a nutrition as a you know a safe way to check the balance of your intake of food a nutritionist so that um i appreciate that advice so we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with um with chef buns to to learn more about you know how he you know landed and it what inspired him to get on this journey of really becoming this expert in in food preparation Don't let the tight labor market get in the way of your company's success. Open your mind to new ideas and open your enterprise to new workforce solutions. With bold business, companies can leverage extensive global assets and a lengthy track record of success in reducing labor costs. Don't let borders get in the way of giving your company the best possible workforce. For remote positions, Bold Business can save clients up to 30 to 50% with skilled and experienced candidates from a global talent pool. Head to boldbusiness.com for more information. The tech talent war in the U.S. is making it almost impossible for companies to hire and is holding companies back from achieving their important business goals. What is the answer? Go global with Bold Business. We have the reach, experience, and proven methods to help your company access great talent. From recruiting and sourcing, to onboarding and post-hiring operations, Bold Business can help businesses tap into a worldwide talent pool, and can craft solutions for an enterprise of any size. Go Bold, and let Bold Business solve your talent challenges and help your company succeed. For more info visit www.boldbusiness.com. Welcome back. I'm your host, Pam McElvain. I'm here with Chef Buns, Executive Chef Buns, let me be clear. And, and I just want to just talk a little bit about the, the different statuses of chefs if we, uh, for a second here, just so our audience can understand. So um, executive chefs are like the elite chefs in the, in the world. Can you share us a little difference between there's like the sous chef, there's the, there's the, um, you know, the the chief kitchen manager can sure. you just share a little difference between you know so folks understand the levels um that you're at too sure you know um there are different levels now and you know years ago back in the 50s uh chefs and cooks were considered domestics but after the 60s obviously towards the 70 71 we recognized as professionals which changed the labor code for us as culinarians. Um, and which means in order to maintain that status, we have to continue to educate ourselves, continue to understand the roles we play and become business people besides just cooks and chefs. We understand the dynamics of everything, the cost to produce a meal, the cost to have uh, folks that are working for it, the cost on that plate, to understand all the definitions of business at large. And so what we did, the American Congress Federation put together this program set up for cooks that want to become chefs. And the cooks, we start as a certified cook. You go, you go through a course about two years, and you have to have a year experience to become a certified cook. Same thing with certified baker. Same type of concept. Then you have the certified, uh, certified uh, sous chef which is the step down from an executive chef. And really, I like liking a sous chef to a contractor job 
where you have the chef as a general contractor that goes out oversees the projects, making sure things are going smooth. But then you have the foreman that makes sure the job's daily run smooth. Is any issues, he takes care of it. He does all the day-to-day operations, making sure a product is there for the staff to continue to work, those kind of things. So a sous chef is really like the foreman. So the chef and the sous chef meets daily, talk about the agenda item, any events coming up, whether it be uh, uh, parties of one or two, I mean, 10 or or uh, 15 parties in a day, or maybe one or two parties, or talk about business. Why is the food cost high? Why is the labor online? What's going on with uh, the dynamics of the ovens and calibration, things of that nature? So the sous chef plays a big vital role uh, in the operation of the food. Uh, and the executive chef is the guy that's in charge of everything. He's in charge of hiring, terminating. He's in charge of uh, ordering product. The sous chef does the same thing in terms of ordering product. Obviously, in quality, he generally does a lot of meetings uh, to talk to other entities that may be involved in the operation. It could be the accountant that may want to know why you're off for that month, what's happening if you over you overspent on your bills that overspilling the food costs and that month of labor. And the executive chef is really responsible to make sure the quality of the product is exactly how they envision it. Because it is the mission of the executive chef to, to, to be a reflection of the company that's hired them or they represent. So it's a big role. And what the American Culinary Federation has done now, we recognize in order for that to take place, we need to provide training to the, and tools so the people become successful in the operation. And I'm proud to be part of that uh, organization. It's like being a part of the American Diabetic Association or part of the medical uh, social, what is it, the American Medical Association. Same thing. Um, what's happening to the assigned levels of education to these, uh, to these certifications. Uh, and executive chefs on the same level as a master's degree, master's degree, you're liking uh, a sous chef between an AA or AS to a bachelor's and so forth. So there, there are accredited uh, education pieces in there that's reflected from a, just a, I mean, a legal and um, uh, recognize a community university that uh, grants accreditation to these uh, certifications. So we're very proud of that achievement. Wow. That's so, and, and also, but even more, thank you. One, thank you. Thank you so much for the the vivid um, descriptions of, of certified cooks and bakeries all the way to sous chefs to executive chefs but there's not as as many people that hold a master's if you will today in the world we don't have that same um that same level of distinction there's just really not that many executive chefs in the world and is that because of the level of experience that's required as well as the um a combination with the education and the experience, it's its why there's not as many? What, what are your thoughts? Well, you'll find a lot of executive chefs throughout the country as well as the world, but the difference between what I'm talking about is certified executive chefs and, you know, versus executive chef. You walk into any restaurant in America today and they'll say, 
two things. We have a kitchen manager or we have an executive chef on, on board. The difference what right. I'm thinking of when you're certified when you're a certified executive chef is because the discipline you have to go through to reach that level. People don't have the, sometimes don't have the energy and the time or uh, the information to how to achieve it. That's why it's important to chef network that you go to chef conventions, you go to uh, food shows to make networking very important. A lot of times you'll find people there that's uh, it's influential in terms of your growth. So, in um, answer to your the question about being a lot of executive chefs are not, not a lot of certified executive chefs that are more than it was 10 years ago. Wow. So, so thank you for that explanation. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm really, you're really taking me to, to school. I'm getting an incredible education here. So, you know, Chef Bun, so share with us, you know, a little bit about your career. What, I mean, for over three decades, you've been cooking, <laughs> you know, what, you know, how did you even get exposed to it for the first time? What, what inspired you to even go on this path? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I grew up in a household, you know, my mother uh, was not available to to be in our lives uh, at an early age because she was uh, she passed away when I was around twelve years old, thirteen years old, something of that nature. And my grandmother actually took us in, all six kids in, and raised us. She actually left her job and to raise us to provide uh, as much of a family atmosphere and loving atmosphere she could. But one thing I admired about my grandmother and my grandfather as well. I'll be speaking about him in a moment. My grandmother was a woman that was a, had a, 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 she had a lot of strength. She was a, the strongest woman I ever met in my life in terms of um, what she was able to do, she got it. She find ways to make it for us kids to be comfortable. I remember uh, growing up, when I was growing up, uh, she'd go into the, uh, to the uh, fields and picking cherries and, and peaches and green beans and um, apples and strawberries and and they would do at that time bargaining going on with the black community where the community uh, Miss Williams and Miss White which was her friends and didn't live too far from her would all come over into our den they would divide up the product they would shuff, uh, shuff the, the product meaning they would clean it and prepare it get it ready for eating for consumption and they would divide it up equally but they did equal work. Maybe Miss Williams went to the cherry, and maybe uh, my grandma went to get peaches, or maybe Miss White went to get green beans. They all come together as a team, and they were divided up, and everybody w- walked away, uh, helping and supporting one another. I love that I- idea of camaraderie. I love the idea of how people came together, and really was in a way they were very festive when they did it. With no complaint, yes. they loved been around each other. They love talking about family. They love talking about tradition. They talk about their parents a lot. And and I remember distinctly growing up when my grandma used to make these, these pickled peaches and candy peaches. And she would stack them up. Everybody should go and get all the stuff in the summer and get everything ready for the winter. So we had this, this food on the shelves in the uh, den or in the garage. And I remember I used to eat a whole jar of pickles, I mean pickles, excuse me, peaches. My grandma never asked anyone to eat them. She already knew I ate them. She came to me, why'd you know them peaches up, boy? 
and it was so good. And but the biggest thing really got me started in my culinary journey, I believe, was the idea of watching her cook and prepare these wonderful dishes with very little ingredients. And the food was magnificent. It was so flavorful and great. And the appearance of this was so delicately done, and she and the appearance was so great that and beautiful that it made me think about I wanted to be part of that on a much larger scale. And then my grandmother, my grandfather came in, and he would do this wonderful barbecue every weekend. He up at twelve at night, start his pit up, and the barbecue cook all night long, very low heat, very little, very very low, with very little bit of smoke. But at the same time, the flavors been infused at a level that was so appreciative. I want to be part of that as well. Then at the weekend, as the weekend passed, all the friends would come over uh, on the weekends. And they would eat in the backyard. We had barbecue. We had pies and cakes. We had wonderful uh, uh, peaches prepared, grandmas prepared. And I liked the idea everybody would socialize and talk about the work week, talk about projects, and talk about family, and talk about uh, old days when they were growing up in Arkansas and the things they used to work with, with very little resources and make it work. And I was happy. And I wanted to emulate that. So that was my first peak of hospitality at its best and its finest. And I want to part of the yes. of my life. Yes. You know, and thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing the story and connections to food, to family, to comfort, to um, relational experience in, in, in the inspiration of, of your story. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to take a, a commercial break and we're going to be right back with Chef Buns to hear, you know, what's he doing today and, um, what is, what is hospitality like today? Is it something you should consider as a career? We'll be right back with you. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. But Diversity MBA's education push extends beyond the public realm and into the private sector. Thanks to DMBA, enterprises embarking on their DEI journey have access to training webinars, leadership indexes, and more, all of which can help educate and transform a workforce. Embrace DEI. Diversity MBA can help. Visit www.diversitymbamagazine.com for more information. From emails that get no response, to improper billing and shipping, to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Thank you. Uh, you know, Devin, I want to thank you for all the great work you've helped us with. I hope you had a great uh, Thanksgiving. And for this morning, we appreciate you being back with us. And so, uh, 
good to continue to have us uh, have with us here, Chef Buns, and sharing with us, you know, what inspired him. He bring, for those of you that uh, weren't here with me, uh, Pam McElveen, your host of the Inclusive Voice, he was, you know, really taking us through. Actually, I was, I'm thinking, you know, the comforts of, uh, of what food does to bring family and relationships to life. Um, so, Chef Ken, thank you for for sharing. You know what first inspired you, but now you know this is this is a career. You're in hospitality and have been there. Can can you share with us? Um, you know, can first share with us what do you what is the work that you're doing today? Well, you know, what I'm doing today is really working with a lot of seniors and kids. That's my passion. That's it because. Uh, Going as a, as a kid around food, I see the importance of it, and how it made me feel, feel when I was uh, around food, not only from my grandmother's perspective, but I mean, from my grandmother's home, but from uh, my friends, because, you know, back in those days, wherever you were at, you ate. If you went over to your friend's house, the mother or the father would say, come over and eat this meal. They would feed you and treat you as if you were one of their own children. And, um, that brought my interest, uh, I think, really helped me motivate to kind of pass on that passion that I received from those journeys from my friends, family, to kids. Some of them excited about food, as I was. The other thing was, I love, at my grandmother's age, how she continued to just push through and cook uh, for all of us. Even if she didn't have part-time jobs and cleaning the house and, and uh, maintain and manage the house in a way that... She had her aunts that were living there as well um, to manage them. But yet, always found joy in preparing food that made her happy, I believe. So, I believe for me, that helped create my passion for working with kids as well as seniors. So, today, I spend a lot of time working with kids, teaching them about fun foods, fun food facts, and shortcuts on how to make food interesting. I had the opportunity to teach high school for four years for Lodi Unified. I wrote the first culinary arts program for them. And uh, one of the things I did, our program was really premiered, meaning that it wasn't a homemaking class, but it was a real premiered uh, culinary uh, class that at the end of the year, uh, Delta College articulated with three credits towards the uh, class, the two-year-long class. Every year they give them a three-year, three uh, credits. And so just so that I, I'm, I'm not sure, just kind of want to interrupt because I wasn't quite sure, you know, what you were saying here. So are, are you, and definitely when you're talking about the children and you're saying that in the classes that you're teaching, the junior college, you say Delta College ended up offering, I mean, doing something that was for, for fun and educational, you actually were able to have it um, accredited where folks, where you're now teaching at a college level. Yeah, let, let, me, let me go back. I was teaching high school for Lodi Unified. And I wrote the first quality arts program for them in terms of, of that level, comprehensive level, where it was more of a real true culinary class versus a homemaking class. That was so intense that Delta College articulated our our, our class and gave them, offered us uh, two credits in a year it's completed the class, meaning that the two-year class, so we went for three years, I mean, for a year, 
you will get three years, I mean, three credits towards if you went to Delta College already standing. So okay. it's uh, okay, really great. a great partnership. So okay, and Delta college, college is your junior college, right? Just for folks that correct, don't know correct. what Delta College is. Oh, that's okay. right. That's right. Delta College, 17 Delta College is our local junior college in Stockton, California. <clears throat> and I was very close with Delta at that time to make sure that we followed all the guidelines that were involved in us, that we could be part of that uh, smooth, fluid exchange of information we brought kids out to visit their kitchen, talk to their instructors, and so forth. So they granted us the articulation, and so what I would do to find out what the kids are really serious about the, about the food class, what I would do, on the culinary class, excuse me, I would interview them before they were accepted in the class. And I would find out a lot of information about why they're here. Some wanted to be there because they wanted to cook better. Some was tired of their parents cooking. Some wanted to venture out and try their own business once they completed high, completed high school. Others wanted to just have the information. So when, the one that really was interested in providing or creating a business after school or after they graduated, I really wasn't really close with and trying to impart the uh, passion I had as a kid learning about food. And uh, I'm saying all that because you asked the question, what, got, what brought me here? And in order for me to, in order for me to do what I wanted to do uh, working with kids, I had to step it up a notch. And the only way I can know how to do that is through education and making sure that the kids not only getting food that they enjoy, but knowing something about it. Same thing with seniors. I taught a lot of adult classes and senior classes where it's very important that the seniors understand why the consumption levels shrink in or shrink as you get older and the taste of food changes. We try to do is work with them to have them enjoy their meals and, and really work with them on their, with their palate change so they can have fun and eating the foods they enjoyed as a kid or as a young mm-hmm. adult. And um, I may just say this one caveat, I remember my grandmother cooked all these great meals. My grandmother would die by hamburger, a plain hamburger, just to have one as she got older. And that, I thought it was very interesting. You have this wonderful lady I consider the master chef <laughs> that wanted a hamburger. And yeah, you know, that's interesting. Go ahead and wrap up this story, but I wanted to ask another question because I want to tie in, but go ahead and finish this story with your grandmother. Go ahead. I, what I'm saying is that, you know, I understand it because of that. I said, oh, she changed, you know, that she reverted back to things she enjoyed as a kid, which was hamburgers. That's what I do now as a young senior. So. Okay. So, you know, you know what I, you know what you said. You said you had to step up the game, and that mean in teaching, you know, the the younger the younger generation. But you know, you had an illustrious career, still do, with culinary design. But you know, you're an executive chef. I mean, you started a career with what you were doing with, you know, with the Grand MGM hotels and casino when you were starting off in your career, and so now you you've, you've totally transitioned 
um, into doing this passion-driven work. Um, tell us about, you know, maybe, you know, some of the joys <laughs> and and or obstacles when you're in a, you know, in a chef role in a high-paced environment like that. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, it's a high-paced environment. Thanks for recognizing that because it's not for the weak. <laughs> you know, just in the dinner because a lot of factors are involved. As you, as I journey through this, uh, this uh, wonderful uh, discipline, I became to love and love. Uh, there's a lot of there some obstacles involved. From learning my skill, I even developed it to a point where I'm at today. And unfortunately, a lot of it had to do with racism. Had to do with uh, a good boy network where they didn't want to share or teach uh, groups of people that were like me. Uh, didn't matter if you were female or male. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but for me, what happened is that because of my passion, I grew up early on with my grandmother and grandfather and their experience uh-huh. growing up. That gave me the energy, the strength, and the discipline to push forward and to focus on the primary goal, which was which my goal today. It took a lot of work, a lot of effort, a few years ago. And at 21 years old, I granted the opportunity to work and open up the biggest hotel in America at that time, which was the NGM Grand. And we served 100,000 meals a day. And it was a wonderful experience. We clubbed the kitchens with a warehouse full of food. And uh, it was a great, great experience for a young guy at 21 years old. It sure is. Wow. I didn't know you were that young. That's incredible. Absolutely. So in terms of, so in continuing your career, though, in, in a high-paced environment like that, you did that for more than a decade. What, when did you, um, you know, when you talked about what all the things an executive chef does now, really the top mm-hmm. of the game, um, you were able to manage both in teaching while still um while still, you know, teaching others while still operating at a very high level. Is that where you're, um, you know, owning a restaurant? Share a little bit with us about that, you know, being a restaurant owner and, you know, how were you able to manage all these different passions? Well, you know, the thing is, uh, thank you for bringing that up. I own two restaurants um, over the years, and uh, one was in the vessel called Chapter de Orleans. And we were very successful. We had another one in Stockton, or Captain Louisiana, with a partner of mine named Lincoln Ellis. And um, the way I taught when I started my own business was through hiring individuals or people with attitudes that are exceptional. What I mean by that, the skill level didn't matter to me, don't you have the attitude to learn and the ability to understand that that uh, it's going to be not every day. It's going to be a love, a love connection. You're going to have fights. You're going to have disagreements. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really important that the customer that was happy that we provided the service to. So I started teaching from that, that uh, standpoint uh, in my own business, having cooks next to me, having daily meetings and briefings, and talking about food profiles and things that we want to do. I would invite people to the restaurant, different schools, uh, different high schools, like my Alta Modern, Franklin, Patty Ellis would come over and bring um, students over. 
and we'll sit down, prepare a meal, and talk about food at the restaurant and my journey here, and to help inspire kids to either pursue something similar or at least pursue uh, and understand in any business you provide you that you uh, choose to be in, you have some type of discipline required and focus required to the transfer of skills, transfer of skills across the board. So I get a lot of pleasure out of that. Wow. Thank you so much for that. You know what? I didn't even realize how much time had gone by. We're going to stop right here, take a couple minutes, um, get a few commercial breaks in. Please stay tuned and continue hearing this great story with us from Chef Buns. And really, I mean, how exciting it is to actually have a career in, in food and hospitality, something that you really love, that you can go from high pace to really doing passionate work. We'll be right back with you after this moment. The tech talent war in the U.S. is making it almost impossible for companies to hire and is holding companies back from achieving their important business goals. What is the answer? Go global with Bold Business. We have the reach, experience, and proven methods to help your company access great talent. From recruiting and sourcing to onboarding and post-hiring operations, Bold Business can help businesses tap into a worldwide talent pool and can craft solutions for an enterprise of any size. Go Bold and let Bold Business solve your talent challenges and help your company succeed. For more info, visit www.boldbusiness.com. The world is embracing a remote, globalized, and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices, to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization. I hope all of you are still staying tuned with us hearing this great conversation I'm having with uh, Chef Buns across the uh, the country here. And Chef, thank you so much for sharing. I think it was real important for people to hear, you know, how someone gets into hospitality, particularly on the food industry side, and then are able to do all these different things. And we just don't have a time to talk about all of it. But I just, you know, wanted to ask you a bit about your program, Cooking for Hope. Um, can you share a little, I mean, you kind of talked about your passion for teaching of others, but share a little bit with us um, what do you do with the program? I Hope is a program that started to help uh, women that are going through difficult times today. Whether it be, you know, kids, the resources are very limited, and whether it be finances, whether it be a place to stay, uh, whether it be uh, something uh, to provide for their kids. And what we did was to help uh, kind of put a, we sound like a, uh, I would say a, a patch for that was to provide uh, services to them through Cooking uh, Hope fundraising. And Cooking Hope, we, get, we do live on uh, a, I'm going to say like a podcast, uh, YouTube type of uh, format. And the money goes directly to women's uh, Wellspring Women's Center, so that uh, they can provide the services that need to do these things for the kids and as well as the parents of these kids. 
So where could folks go if they wanted to hear about the information? Uh, it happens generally in October. Uh, you, know, you have to go to have information. Finally, I'll be willing to put it to you. But you know, if you go to a Google Women's Wellspring Women's Center, uh, Wellspring Women's Women's Center in Sacramento, California, you'll see their page, and then you can get all the information from there. So Wellsprings Women's Center. Women's Center. Correct. Okay, and and then um, for the for the cooking, so that's where you, if you wanted to get a part of the classes, because you do them digitally and on Zoom, so people could sign up and be a part of that. If right. they well, go to well, well, the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit. We tried to change our format, and we went to mm-hmm. live. I mean, we're recording. Live. I'm sorry. We're live, and. Um, and so the cats was taught over the air. And we continued okay. because it was actually became the biggest fundraising tool we used before we you know, have come to come to a center and have a dinner. So we started using that. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's cool. That's great. And I and I think that's you know, I appreciate that and kudos to you for giving back in that way. So I wanted to also I know we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to um just talk a little bit because everyone gets a kick out of knowing an Iron Man chef. <laughs> Share a little bit about uh those glory days. Okay. Well as Iron Chef, um I uh participated in, in a large regional um Competition in Fresno, California, which is the middle of California, kind of like the middle by Bakersfield of uh, California. And we had about 30 chefs there. And what happened is go to compete. We have a mystery basket and what you're going to get. Uh, each competition, you're able to study the spices and everything for about 10 minutes. But you don't know what's inside of your proteins and you know, what's going to be in the bag. And you just come up with a, as a, as you, unveil your, your bag or your box, you have to come up with ideas and recipes to to uh, cook, and just like on television. And it was, it was videotaped and everything. It was a beautiful opportunity to really show some influence from the Southern, as well as some African, and as well as my own, which I call Valley Cuisines now. The blending of those fusions of different ethnic and cultural foods worked out really well in my favor, that particular dish. Oh, awesome. And you I and I can attest I've eaten some of your food that you make one, you make some of the world's greatest gumbo. But uh thank you so much for that. Well, congratulations to you, um, uh Iron Chef Buns, because that that's that's an incredible honor. Um so let me ask you, what uh favorite recipe or what recipe could you give our listening audience? Um of course, you know, they've already had uh, Thanksgiving dinner, but now they're going into um, they're going into going into the holiday season. But what's a nice uh, quick recipe that they can enjoy um, after post Thanksgiving? Well, if you have uh, if you have some turkey leftover, which I'm sure you have, I will. You want to create turkey dishes with pasta, uh, which you do take some tortellini. Get your leftover turkey, partake it up with a little bit of olive oil, not too much. Add a little bit of pesto, fresh pesto, pesto in there. Toss it, garlic, some fresh oregano, or fresh oregano, and add a little bit of Parmesan Romano cheese. 
and that's like a five second, five minute meal. And you, you really do impress your friends. You add peppers to it if you like, uh, fresh herbs, whatever you want to do. It's really quick. With your turkey, oh, that's one way. Oh, that sounds good. Make a sandwich. Okay. If you want a sandwich, get a beautiful uh, cranberry sauce you have left over. Get you some French bread or either some sourdough bread. That'd be that. If you want to bounce off the sweetness, get the sour. And put your turkey um, on, on top of the bread, put it in the boiling, come back, bring some mustard cheese out, put your cranberry sauce on top, cut it in half, and just go to town on Super Bowl on, uh, on uh, Sundays for, food, for football. So, quick and easy, and knock it out. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to do both of those. Those are good. <laughs> I hope Darren took some notes for those as well. So, Chef Buns, thank you so much for joining us um, after the holiday and inspiring us with your story. And hopefully, in uh, you know, encouraging others to get into the field of hospitality and knowing they can have a full career as you have. So, um Thank you. Keep up the good work, Cooking for Hope, and doing all that you do. Um, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on this wonderful program. I want to say thank you for the work you do nationally, regionally, and locally. Um, you're a big benefit for a lot of businesses that need this type of programming. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. With benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website, CEO Pam Micklevane leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum, with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com Welcome to Bold Life with Ed Kopko, where bold minds grow. Hi, everyone. I'm Ed Kopko, and welcome to Bold Living. The show today is about finding happiness through kindness and giving. In my book, Project Bold Life, The Proven Formula to Take on Challenges and Achieve Happiness and Success, I write about how happiness is found in the seven pillars of a bold life. One of these pillars is giving back, and today I will discuss how you can permanently change your happiness level by one simple act of kindness. That act is giving. And I'm going to get some help today from Jacqueline Way, founder of 365 Give. Jacqueline has created a world movement that is looking to help more people become happier through kindness and giving. Our brains and our bodies are actually hardwired for giving. 
When we give, our endorphins kick in, giving us this natural high feeling. They've actually called it the helper's high. Wow, a rush of endorphins whenever we do kind deeds for others. That sounds like a great recipe for a helper's high. Have you ever done random acts of kindness for strangers? We probably all have done them at some point, but have you ever thought about how they change the world? Have you thought about the impact they might have on the giver? Can the frequency of giving and kindness make a long-term difference in your own happiness and relationships? How do random acts of kindness affect our brains? Jacqueline has spent some time figuring these questions out, and the evidence is clear. Giving reduces anxiety and stress, and it makes us happy. So regular giving and acts of kindness can really change both you and the world. The science stems from the oxytocin and serotonin that our brains produce when we're happy and how these levels can stem the tide of cortisol, the endorphin produced when we're stressed. When we do good deeds, we produce more oxytocin and serotonin and less cortisol. The results? Less stress and more happiness. Now multiply that by number of good deeds your acts inspire others to do and the good deeds their acts inspire. That's a lot of oxytocin and serotonin. Bit by bit, your kindness towards others makes the world a better place. According to a recent study by Georgetown University Health Policy Institute, there are approximately 5.6 million children being diagnosed with anxiety, 2.4 million diagnosed with depression, and unfortunately only 80% of the kids who needed mental health services got the services they needed. I don't know about you, but that tells me that the world could use a lot more random acts of kindness to get these positive endorphins flowing, particularly children. At Bold Business, We've had a long emphasis on fun. For example, we've celebrated National Pierogi Day last year and had a cartoon made to commemorate the occasion. My team produced a video of them singing karaoke to a client and there's another video of the team limp syncing to the famous Queen song. Every team meeting on Friday to close out the week, we share jokes with each other even if they're not funny. We revamped our website to accentuate the fun with a page dedicated to explaining why fun and smiles are good for business. I have been doing my small personal part in kindness and giving in many additional ways. From profiling Buddhist monk Matteo Ricard, the world's happiest man, to writing about the connection between workplace happiness and productivity, I've talked about the importance of fun, happiness, and giving numerous times and have written about it in my newsletter, Notes from Ed. So, if your bold goal was to positively impact the world 365 days a year, could you do it? 365 days of giving back, kindness and spreading happiness would create a pretty big helper's high, far more than if you just did these good deeds occasionally. 
Now, they don't have to be big things. You don't have to go volunteer hundreds of hours. You don't have to donate millions of dollars. It can be small, simple ways of giving back to our world. It could be a smile. It can be picking up garbage to help the planet. It could be helping a homeless person on the street or buying a coffee for the next person in line every day when you go to the coffee house. What do you think? Are you ready to commit to daily acts of kindness? You can check out Jacqueline's website at www.365give.ca and find her TED Talk on YouTube. She has great resources and information on how to get your journey of giving started. I also have a customized printable list of 36 ideas on giving on edcopco.com that you can download and it offers tons of good deeds and work that in ideas for work, home, for children, and for the world to give you some inspiration. Ideas like plant a tree and name it Woody. Buy that stranger a cup of coffee or a fancy latte. Buy a child the biggest ice cream cone you can find. Help an elderly shopper with her bags. Let somebody cut in front of you in line. Check it out and hopefully you'll be motivated to spread some kindness out into the world. Let's help distress the world and ourselves through giving. And thank you for listening and keep living bold. For more about Ed and his work, go to www.edcopco.com.